Twitch. <laughs> I told her, and I was really glad. Hi, everyone. That, hey, how are we? We're not talking about COVID. <laughs> I told her that I was really glad that uh, we're able to be here. We have like an entire real life library here today. Yeah, so. we're. Can you see if we didn't tell you, would you be able to tell that we're on location? Because yeah, we're we got our banner behind us, and we are on location at the Three Oaks Township Public Library. So. I had to. Uh, we had a little scheduling conflict this week. That was my fault. Uh, so I had to, we had to rearrange some things. And long story short, we're at the library. <laughs> and when we set up in here, we were literally the only people in the library were from real life. Aaron oh, and I yeah. were working, and you and I and George, and there was nobody else here. So <laughs> that's true. Slow day at the library for now. Aaron did say it was a slow day. Slowly at the library seems like it'd be a really slow day. Like, that seems like it would drag, but anyway. So, well, it's great if you like to read and you're, you're here reading. Time. So it's a good fit. How are you? I'm good. I'm kind of hot. So I'm over it. This I, is supposedly the last like humid day yeah, for that's, a while. That's but what they say. I'll believe it when but I see it. But August hasn't even hit yet. August then, is so. usually the nightmare month. I'm yeah. ready. I'm, I, I think I saw something. I think Courtney posted it the other day. Um, that she wants to decorate for fall, and I am on board. Yeah, I you, am on you and board. Courtney and Emma's all about it, and Emma can't wait for Christmas. She's mm-hmm. counting that down. 150 days today, till Christmas. Apparently, she's not the only one. I got you, Emma. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm ready for fall. I don't I, like. I the do heat. love Christmas. I don't like the heat. I'm ready for some hot cider. You know, I love living in Michigan, where we have all four, four seasons, seasons and. I get sick of each of them at a various at various times. I don't think I ever get and sick so, of fall and winter. My complaint about fall is that it never seems to last enough, long enough. Like summer either eeks longer. Once, once the leaves are gone, I am yeah. less intrigued. You know, uh, the temperatures are where I like them. It's football season, so there's that. It's not as gross um, as spring. Spring is a muddier time. I, November rain is a very depressing thing. I, I don't I don't dig that. That's it's the name very of a song. Muddy. Should be if it's not. I believe it is. Sounds like a 90s song. I think it is. Yeah, so there it is. Anyway, whoop, there it is. Any it's idea. also another 90s song. <laughs> Probably a totally different feel, I'm guessing. So. Oh, golly. So, uh, have you seen the new Space Jam? I refuse. <laughs> Why do I've you refuse? I've heard it's a giant product placement for Warner Brothers. Well, of course it is. So, you know, that can't be shocking. They do have a Michael Jordan reference in there, I saw. Well, and they, as I should. That kids refuse, will not understand. I refuse because, because no need. They bring the wrong Michael Jordan in. They have Michael B. Jordan show up in the. See, in the that's room. I'm not on board. With so it's that. a whole joke. I love Michael B. Jordan. It's, it's a whole joke Very about it. Attractive that kids individual. will not get. <laughs> but, Very uh, fine actor. I actually is, appreciate yes. him. He, um, actually, the only thing I think I've actually seen. Did you him. see Creed with Michael B. Jordan? I have not seen Creed, but you know who else is in that? My love, Antemilia. I'm sorry. What in Creed? Or oh, maybe he's not in Creed. He's in uh, the, the the newest Rocky movie. He plays Rocky's son. Oh, yeah, I think he might He looks pretty much exactly like Rocky. Um, No, I have not seen Space Jam or Creed. Uh, I think the only thing I've seen Michael B. Jordan in was... And you didn't see Black Panther. I did not. No, I don't remember what I saw him in. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I have not seen the new Space Jam. I am not a huge fan of LeBron James to begin with. Stud basketball player, but, you know, he and I are on different pages. Are you a big fan of Michael Jordan? Is there such a thing as someone who's not? I'm sure. Then they, you need to pray for their souls. But anyhow, the, Michael is without question the greatest basketball player. And, uh, <laughs> but I almost want to see it just out of tribute to Michael because of the fact that it was his 
you know, if you're talking about Space Jam legacy, it's Michael's legacy. Then I think you're so. setting yourself up for disappointment. Oh, that's my expectation. Is I saw. So I a, probably won't see it at well, least not anytime soon. There's but. a YouTube channel called Honest Trailers. Oh yeah. yeah. And there can sometimes be kind of. Occasionally but, raunchy. Yeah. Right, but they did a Honest Trailers. I think yesterday for spa- the new Space Jam, and so they'll show scenes from the movie or whatever. And uh, it's, I mean, they pull everything that Warner Brothers owns into the movie. And they said it's just literally one long yeah. advertisement. Uh, and they, they even turned the Looney Tunes into like, you know, three-dimensional characters and whatever nice. instead of the traditional if they, animation. If they bring in the DC comic universe. The, you they know, did. The, they brought in Superman. Are and you whatever. serious? Yes. No, see, that's worth watching just for that. Let's not, that's not overcomplicate <laughs> things. And they took out Pepe Le Pew. I t- well, because he's canceled now. But if... If I, if you really wanted to tempt me to watch it, if they called it Space Jam Junior Varsity, then I'd be excited. And you know what? Because this is the, this is the JV version. The of soundtrack Space Jam. doesn't even have the Space Jam song on it, so there what? is no point what? in watching it. No, I'm done. I'm out. I'm gonna put the Space Jam soundtrack at the end of this podcast. <laughs> That was the best. One of the best things about Space Jam was the soundtrack. It was all like remember when Jock Jams were like a huge. We thing? need a soundtrack here. Can it be Jock Jams? <laughs> Because we're so you, athletic. You really, you really can't go wrong we're with so that. We're so athletic. So. <laughs> oh, golly. Do you remember they made like several oh, yeah, volumes of, of Jock yep. Jams? Yep, it was big stuff. Jock Jams. Big stuff. And amazing uh, percentage of, of those songs sounded a lot alike. They all sounded the same. <laughs> like they had a whistle in the background and, and sneakers squeaking they, on the... They'd run out of new hip-hop and throw in some 80s arena but rock you know stuff. What? There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong. The final that. countdown from Europe is. I'm gonna start listening to Jack James when I'm on my bike in the morning. There you go. The '90s were great, man. Can we just talk <laughs> for the rest of the podcast? The '90s are what led us to today. The '80s are what led oh, us to the way '90s. Way to ruin everything for so. me. I'd say the 2000s are what led us to today. It all started going it, downhill in like 2006. Uh, might be 67. It's possible. Yeah. We've been we've been in decline. Really, for you know, since Genesis three, and it, Ain't it the truth? if you look at kind of how everything has has shaken out, well, I just advanced very rapidly toward the screen. Um, <laughs> we're we're in chairs with wheels, and so I feel and like was da- I'm keep going like this, yeah, like hey, um, uh, yeah, I think I could do some damage. Now here. they can tell we're on location. <laughs> and really going fast. Um, so, what were we talking about again? We were supposed to be talking about Christian submission. Well, I, was gonna, I don't think we got there. Yet. I was going to get there. You eventually, were. Because you were talking about the fall of our country. Yes. <laughs> the decline of our country. And I want to say that one thing that's always been true for our country. Can you hear my child in the next room? Is, I um, can. I don't know if they can <laughs> the microphone. I hear my child and Legos. So, I know my child is happy. Well, I think one thing that people think of either as a stereotype or, you know, probably a seed of truth to it when they think of America is uh, a lot of self-sufficiency and independence and I don't want anyone telling me what to do sure. attitude. Yeah, there's a libertarian streak through the the core of, uh, and I of mean, American values. That's why our country was founded. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, I think from a Western culture standpoint, uh, in general, I, when we... We're talking about Christian submission today. Mm. And um, when we were talking about the image to put on the program for Sunday last week, um, 
you had already, maybe you brought it up already, or I I thought you at least thought of it, but I said, I think we need to be careful with the imagery that we use because I think a lot of people have this negative connotation Right. with the word submission and they think of it as a negative thing and I'm not going to let anybody yeah, that's, do or uh, I'm not going to submit to anybody blah blah right. blah um, so I, I do think it's a thing from a biblical standpoint that's important to talk about and kind of dissect if you will um, because I th- we have a tendency to to be more focused on claiming our rights yes. than on claiming our responsibilities <clears throat> submission excuse me New location, same supercut. So uh, submission has to do with giving up my rights, having having to do with uh, taking on my responsibility and uh, recognizing that my role may not be what I choose it to be. And so as we look at that, that's just, I think, innately hard for humans. It's one of the reasons for the, what I would call, libertarian streak in American values uh, and I don't mean that so much politically as uh, as from a mindset or a worldview, that we believe in individual liberty. And one of the reasons for that is uh, coming from the development of Western civilization in the, in the aftermath or, or the shadow of the Reformation. And so as we began to see things, um, what I would describe as more from a biblical perspective, the, the personal autonomy before God, uh, that each of us has, the uh, the nature of Christian liberty became very prominent, uh, which influenced so much of society outside of that, and eventually end up ended up influencing Enlightenment thinking, which began to move away from biblical Christian thought, but still uh, the that um, the underpinnings of I guess I'll say Protestant theology that, that uh, came out of the Reformation drove so much of what became Enlightenment thinking as well, which then drove us toward liberal theology, which is not Christianity at all, and you know, which then resulted in the backlash of the fundamentalists in, in the earlier part of, of the 20th century, uh, which then resulted in a backlash against the fundamentalists. So we have this pendulum thing back and forth. And so much of it has to do with the fact that I must have my rights. The, you know, the whole nature of Arminianism in, as a rejection of Calvinism was essentially we reject these things because... And maybe this is, you know, um, I don't mean it to sound disrespectful to the perspective, but we reject anything that does not elevate human free will above all else. Mm. And so, therefore, these claims of Calvinism cannot be true, which was not called Calvinism prior to that, really. Calvin would never have accepted such a thing. Calvin would never. He would never. That's (laughs) why he... uh, insisted on being married, buried in an unmarked grave. But anyhow, uh, the what are now known as the Doctrines of Grace or the TULIP acronym came from the, the rejection of that from the, the five points of Arminianism. Mm-hmm. Then the Calvinists then clarified their perspectives based on those who were coming against them from it. But it, in so many of these cases, it's the struggle for superiority. What, you know, and this is, I see this with so many people that I agree with, you know, theologically, socially. And 
we just struggle so much to be on top, to be the winner, to be, you know, people look at Donald Trump and, and obviously a hugely polarizing figure. Uh, not one that I usually would engage in a conversation about theology here, but, uh, but if you look at a Donald Trump, what makes him polarizing is A, his determination to win, mm -hmm. B, the fact that he tends to win, and other people get mad about that. Right. And if you're with him, if you're on his side, then you're excited about it because you get to win. And if you watch just the dynamics of, and I say this as somebody who's never a Trump fan, I thought it was funny in Back to the Future when they called him you know, president back in 2000, or in uh, 1985, and they were only off by a year, but as as you I like this Home Alone cameo more as see I just dislike Home Alone as a movie so much that I can't appreciate it I like the first half either. but not the second half <laughs> but uh, anyhow and, and the second one was worse but anyhow the the dynamic of it the, the polarizing nature is because I just cannot stand an arrogant person mm. because they show themselves or claim to be superior to me mm -hmm. and we all know I'm superior therefore if they would humble themselves and recognize my superiority you know that that just we, we would never say those things out loud because we don't like to to hear those kinds of things I've heard folks make accusations about God that that mm -hmm. well God's arrogant because he's about his glory which is just totally derailing the train well, at even, that point but, you know we're, and we'll get, the, get into this, I think, next week. What's the most, for, as, a, as a from a female standpoint, something I hear a lot is the... Because uh, you're a female. I am a female. And I'm not. Hello. These are defined truths. Are, never mind. Okay. I won't say offensive Unchanging, things. Unchanging, um, Yeah. I'll say lots of offensive one things. Th so you can email him. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I tend to hear a lot uh, from other females... And those who identify as such um, <laughs> is is the section of Ephesians where you know it's talking about wives submit to your husbands. Well, first of all, read the entire thing. Second of all, again, I think that's just the stereotype that we have in our heads. Like, why should I be lesser than a man? Why should I? Da, 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 da? I know we're going to talk more about that, but yeah, we will. That we'll hit that next week. But that, it's it's in the same vein of you know it, I think it's human nature to not want to feel lesser than someone else. Correct. Whether yeah. it's directly addressed or just kind of implied, or even just your own feelings that you've conjured up. Yeah, and and as we gain a certain amount of independence, we want more independence. Right. We very seldom. Uh, pull back from that. And so we're, we're living in a time, submission is hard for all of us. I mean, it's some uh, have personalities that tend to be more timid or meek. And so it, it can, uh, it can come more readily uh, to stand down, but that's not exactly submission. Submission, submission involves a doesn't choice. mean letting people walk all over. <laughs> no, but it does mean a, a choice um, to, to be deferential. And so the, it's, it's not a, um, it's not a personality trait. It's a decision. It's, a, it's an action that, that I take. And so, um, you know, just the nature of submission is, is just not, it's foreign to us. Right. And I think some of that comes from the image of God in us, right? Mm -hmm. But the problem that we have with submission comes from that, that dominion aspect, that ruling aspect of the image of God in us being distorted then by sin from the fall. And that was one of the first things that happened in Genesis 3 
when the curse is, is handed down by the Lord, um, when he says to the woman as part of the curse, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you, that I think is intentionally offensive. Mm -hmm. I, you know, God doesn't do anything by accident. Um, and there was a desire for one another built in prior to that. But now it's something different. Now there's a, a, a different sort of dependence. The roles didn't change, but now there's a, an animosity, that, that a resentment that comes in there. Same thing when, when he says to Adam, now you're going to work, you know, you're going to eat by the sweat of your brow, and all of this is going to be toil. Well, work was already part of the equation. You know, he was already called to meaningful work, uh, to work the land and, and tend to the garden, so to speak. Um, but now what was a purposeful joy becomes a toil, becomes a difficulty uh, that, that wears you down. And so all of these things that, that are part of us because of the image of God in each one of us get distorted by sin and the sin nature. So we see um, babies who are totally dependent on, right. on parents and yet innately before they can even speak try to assert independence and demand to be taken care of they demand their rights well demanding my rights is the opposite of submission and so we run into a lot of of, of struggles with those kinds of things and and then when we see over the history of humankind the abuses that that come about mm -hmm. It, you know, again, you, you use the example of uh, a woman submitting to a man. Uh, well, when you have centuries and generations of that being abused and being done poorly, well, then of course that's going to be that much more difficult. It's going to be difficult anyway. Uh, and, and, you know, we often kind of a running joke in the family. I know you know this, and I, th I don't remember if I said it in church or not. If I might say it by next week, we'll see. Um, but it's you know kind of a running joke when I ask Shelley's uh, dad <laughs> for her hand in marriage. <laughs> he said, "I don't know if I should be sharing this or not, but it's never stopped me before." So you know, uh, he he said, "Well, yeah, but I, I can't guarantee how submissive she'll be." Uh, my wife is is a uh, a strong and independent woman and can be somewhat strong-willed, uh, and and these are the things that I adore about her. And I will tell you, I. I would say my wife is one of the most submissive women that I know. Not by nature at all. It's not in her to submit. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, that's just not part of who she is. But by choice in recognizing our, our different roles, there's no question about equal value, uh, but we have different roles. Now, at the same time, it would be foolish for me to try to lord that over her. That's right. not going to end well right. anyway. Because then you ain't doing what you're supposed to do. Exactly. And, and again, that's we're talking about next week's right. thing. But that's true in Stay any tuned. situation. If, if you're you know, if you're a parent who is just... That's in two weeks. Dominating... Good job. <laughs> uh, who is dominating your child and, and you know, controlling every movement, you're going to cause your child to rebel. You're going to exasperate them. If you are an employer or a, a master, if you will... And you are uh, are just coming down on your employees, and you're making conditions difficult, and you're constantly demanding and never satisfied. 
you're going to cause them to rebel. That's going to be the case. I mean, think about how much differently we would look at slavery, for example. Slavery, slavery is wrong, not defending it at all, but, but just imagine if no one had ever been treated badly as a slave. Would it still be wrong to own people? Well, okay. There's, you know, we're talking about some, some innate endemic problems with that concept. Uh, right. But people are not prone to rebel when they are happy, right. when they actually are, are treated well and they feel good. And you know, there would be no need for labor unions mm. if management always took care of their employees. That's such that a would big, be the case. There's such a big emphasis on uh, in the in the uh, working world, I guess, on company culture and right. an environment nowadays because people are realizing that your employees will be more loyal if they're happy. That's right. Imagine that. Um, so yeah, I think. There's a whole thing, a whole study, like they were doing college courses on Google's culture. My, a girl I went to college with works at Google, and she has been since she graduated, and she interned there, I think, first, and she was originally in Chicago, and then she went to the Ann Arbor branch. I don't know where she is now. I think maybe back in Chicago. Um, but yeah, she would, they had all their meals catered in. Mm. They had like a, a, a stress room where you could go if you were, they had a game room. They had all these things. You could bring your pets to work every day. You could do da, 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 da. Too, yeah. They had so many things that... On-site childcare and yes, things. Yes, everything you could possibly want to for this positive working environment and on the surface and maybe this is an antiquated way of thinking somebody might think well how do they get anything done they're just goofing off all day or relaxing all day but what studies have shown is that's actually more people are more their productivity was higher and they've especially in the creative world right and now with more people uh from the pandemic uh, working at home, they've also found that that has caused a lot of people to be more productive mm-hmm. as well. Uh, now, that's not in every situation, obviously, but sure. but uh, in general, when people feel more... I don't want my heart surgeon working from yeah, home. That's maybe not. not. Good. But uh, employers are starting to say, okay, you can keep working at home because you're yeah. doing better, more work for me. So right. it's funny how that works, isn't it? So submission, just as a concept, is, is it's big. And, and God built it into the very nature of creation. And, and we kind of talked about that a little bit mm. on Sunday, uh, that from wherever you look in, in the scientific world, science observes nature. So if, if I'm observing the natural world, the created order, um, I cannot escape the, the constant systems of authority and submission. From atoms to right. galaxies, it's the same thing. If you're talking about our solar system and we're, right. we have all these planets that are in orbit around the gravitational pull of the sun and they are bound by it, they submit to a particular path that causes them to function a certain way. Right. If they don't do that, then things start to fall off. But fly it all apart, just happened literally. randomly. <laughs> yeah. um, oh. And you know, if you look at an atom, for example, and you've got... Uh, nucleus that that is the the weight of it and these electrons that are orbiting around this nucleus and they're bound by it and there are rules in place science is wild um even in the if you if you're trying to take a biblical standpoint out of it Look at the opposite of, of a biblical standpoint. Look at Darwinism hmm. and survival of the fittest. There is an order to everything, and right. no, nothing goes against that. You're not going to see a ladybug taking down a lion, you know? I mean, 
No, not unless it's the Netflix series <laughs> Miraculous. But, that's but I'm just different. saying, you know, there there is an order to everything and there's a natural submission. And we look at it from a, I guess, from a nature standpoint, maybe everything from a human, but a humanistic standpoint, there seems to be a naturalness to hmm. submission in the world. Everything else naturally submits the way it's supposed to. Well, yes and no. I mean, there's, as you look at, you mentioned the, the survival of the fittest mm-hmm. and, and, you know, the order um, the, of the, call it the food chain. There is a submission that often is, comes by force. Right. So the, the, the greater force exerted on the lesser force causes an involuntary submission. So there is, there is a voluntary, submission. correct. There's a voluntary and an involuntary submission. Right. If I choose not to submit to the lion, the lion will do what the lion does, right? right? And the same thing happens in, in a, a society. If we have a, 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 you know, a totalitarian government, I can choose not to submit to that government, but there will be a cost. Right. They're, they're going to bring arms to bear. That doesn't on, mean on it's <laughs> No, no, but it's reality. But that's what will happen. And, and that's really what we want to try to, to, to do with this podcast, what we... One of our core values at church is, is that we want to deal with life as it is, not as we wish it were. And so we want to try, as we're looking at the scripture, to connect the reality of God to the realities of life. And one of the things that causes us such unbearable stress and difficulty and, and addictions and anxiety and all these things uh, is when we try to live in a world we create in our own minds rather than in the reality that exists. Well, when we were initially coming up with the slogan, whatever you want to call it, for the podcast, connecting the reality of God to the realities of life, it's because, and we've talked about this before, you hear that phrase a lot, well, this is my reality, this is my truth, this is da-da-da-da-da. And when you let go of that, you realize there is only one reality, right. and it's God's reality. And so when you let go of your 10,000 realities, these things things like submission, other hard things, right. seem to make a little more sense. And they're not so innately offensive. What's the <laughs> catchphrase people are using? Uh, facts don't care about your feelings. You know, yeah. that's, that, that's how reality is. Reality is not interested in your subjective perception that you call reality. It is what it is. Right. And you know, I remember uh, from, uh, it, it was a creative writing prompt from my senior year in high school. So like in 1925. And, um, Four score and seven years ago. <laughs> and it's a quote from an author. I don't even know who this author is. C. Agnes Lant, I believe, was the name, and I have no idea anything about them. But the quote was that the ultimate umpire of all things is fact. Hmm. And that just stuck with me. You know, here, here we are 30-whatever years later, and uh, math wasn't my subject. Uh, and that's still in my mind that... Whatever else is going on, the, the final umpire of, of all these things is not what I feel, but what actually is, in fact, the reality. That's really interesting because we've, we've I think, molded so many things today as... Right? Oh, Jimmy, Well, now we're good. calling everything fluid. Right. Everything is fluid. So that kind of... You know is what's a, fluid? Water. Mm. Well, that t- that's a way to tiptoe around facts. Yes, and it's, it's kind living of in dumb. denial of reality, and and that's you know that's one of the struggles when we see what we're seeing now today, and we're not. This isn't a podcast about uh, LGBTQ stuff, but there is a reality in in the T in particular in in the transgender movement, if I can use that term, 
it, that, is it's going a, on the Olympics right now. It's a rebellion against the created order. It is a, mm. a denial of reality. Even the terminology, people are, are talking about you know, gender-affirming surgery. It's actually literally the exact opposite of that. It's gender denying right, surgery. Right. I feel a particular way, right. you know, and, and if I feel some type of way, then it must be true. Right. That's my truth. Right. It's my reality. Well, is it your reality that you feel that? Well, sure, it's real that you feel it. That doesn't mean that your feelings reflect reality, that they reflect, reflect actual reality. Or I was born in the wrong body. Right, yeah. Actually, <laughs> you know, or even in a more light, lighthearted sense, you know, I was born in the wrong generation. I was born right. in the wrong century. And I've said that before. You know, right. And, and in a lighthearted right. uh, manner of speaking. Yeah. Because if you have values that reflect, sure, or whatever, you know, it you... might be more comfortable there. But the reality, whether I want to say it or not, whether I want to recognize it or not, is I was born in this century. Mm -hmm. I was born at this particular point in time. As God created me. And it's just funny because there are some things still, and I don't, I, it seems to change on a daily basis, so correct me if I'm wrong. There are some things still that we want to call fluid, yes. but some things that are hard stop. Like right. I think we talked about the other day, the, the gentleman, the British guy. Who uh, identifies as Korean. He identifies as Korean. And he went so far as to have plastic surgery to change the way his face looks. And Gender give him, too, right? I don't know. I think he might be gay, but I, I don't know if he's had any okay, I, gender I only saw part of the story. So I, just, I just saw his it face. It seemed like I talking. read that, he, that, that uh, changed the gender and ethnicity, but oh, I, I, don't know. I, I might be wrong on that. I, I but you know, he, he, he had a plastic surgery to make his face look more Korean, I guess, without, you know. Um, but people are all up in arms about it because you yeah. can't change your your ethnicity. You can't. I mean, he's speaking with a British but, accent. But you can change right. your and scientifically that, defined gender. That... Please, somebody, somebody explain it to me because that, to me, out of anything else you, that we can argue about or have a discussion about, that if, if you are upset yeah. that somebody has changed their ethnicity but not upset or that or, or you think it's okay that they changed their gender, I'm genuinely curious. I'm not trying to start an argument. I want to know what you think the difference is there because that does not compute for me how you can be upset about that but not upset about the other thing. Well, the, I mean, the... The thing with all of it is this is the ripple effect of a postmodern right. society. Right. So when we come to a place in society where in general, before we deal with any of these issues, we, we've come to a place where we no longer accept truth as external and objective. Right. And, you know, that's been talked about for 30 years at least. But it was it was part of absurdist uh philosophy before that it was a recognition that 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 is not a rational thought postmodernism is not rational it's actually anti-rational and the absurdist stuff of like uh i'm trying to think of who the big was it david hume was the big absurdist philosopher uh somebody can correct me if i'm wrong on that but um, it'll be too late because this will already be posted hey. but anyway the send it in your angry emails there you go um, but when we look at everything as as innately irrational and not actually real, there is no actual objective truth, there is no actual objective reality, then it is inevitable that society is going to devolve into these regular denials. Did you watch the show Whose Line Is It Anyway? Yes. 
Well, the, the, Regularly, the beginning actually. of that show was it's the show where everything's made up and the points don't matter. Right. I feel like that's the world that's right kind now. Of, kind of where we've come <laughs> everything's to. made up and the points don't matter. Because right. because the only thing that matters is me. Right. My feelings. I get to be in charge. So to kind of bring this back to the submission thing, because we never really left. It just these things right. because they bleed into one another. It's right. easy to conflate them. Well, it's and like we you don't said. Everything's about me. I don't want to submit to anything really else is. because it's about me. Right. And so th- that's the hard thing is I have to be I have to be right. And it really isn't about the rightness as it is about the I-ness. Mm-hmm. I have to be right. Even if I'm wrong, I have to prove that I'm right. I have to win the argument. And how dare you question my truth? You know, if it, it, it makes it really difficult to, to deal with anything. And, you know, when we look at, you know, the questions now of, of government overreach. How much should the government be involved? Are they involved too much? I will almost always say they're involved too much, but that's my perspective. You and um, Ronald Reagan. Ronnie. Ronnie Reagan. Ronnie. He's the guy. Uh, anyhow. They were going to say something bad about Ronnie Reagan. I was ready to throw hands. Um, I do have something bad to say about Ronnie he Reagan. He liked jelly beans. No, that was, <laughs> that was glorious and caused me to discover Jelly Belly Jelly Beans. Oh, I hate time. jelly beans. Um, <laughs> But he was the first governor to sign into law no-fault divorce, which was oh. a big part of the demise of our society. But anyway, I digress. Well. Um, he was also a you know, Midwest guy, and that's always a win. Uh, and a Cub fan, I believe. So as you are... Can't go wrong if you're a Cub fan. Obviously, you know how to endure. But, I'm hung up on the jelly beans now. <laughs> uh, it's a textural thing. But when we're talking about um, just the, the, the postmodern thought... The, uh, the the my truth, my reality, my feelings, how I identify, my, 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 I, I. There's an underlying current there. It's called selfishness. Yes. And we are all selfish. And this is how we end up dealing with most of the issues that plague us. Most of the divorces that happen are because my needs aren't being met. So I'm going to find somebody else who meets my needs. Even or if we're Or I'm going to get married. out of here. Yeah. Well, truthfully, there's a lot of that that goes on. And what ends up wrecking things is my unwillingness to submit to anyone else, right. whether male or female. And that's the nature of what Paul is saying here in Ephesians 5.21, <clears throat> possibly the shortest memory verse we've had in church in a while. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, this is, at its, at its root... A, a mindset of deference, of, of mutual submission. But it doesn't negate, it doesn't take away the distinctions of roles. Right. So, you know, again, I use uh, my wife and I as an example. There's a, there's a deference to one another. There's a, uh, an attitude of mutual submission. Do we always get that right? Heck no. That's why sometimes we have arguments. Um, what? It, yeah, not as many as when we were young. Maybe it's that we're better at it. Maybe it's just that we're tired. I don't know. But anyway, uh, the <laughs> it ain't worth it. <laughs> so far, but <clears throat> as we're as we're dealing with uh, with any of these issues that that cause relational um, dysfunction uh, in marriage, in parenting, in the workplace, in schools, whatever it is, uh, in government, these things come when my determination to push my way through and not submit to you mm. trumps the greater good. And and, and these are, are difficult things for us to process. It's contrary to our nature, which is one of the things that makes this attitude of submission, of deference, 
uh, of putting your needs ahead of my own needs, valuing others ahead of myself. That, that it's one of the reasons that it's specifically Christian. This right. is not a karma issue. It's a recognition that I, have, I am a person who has received grace in Christ. And if so I Jesus, be second all the time. Yeah, if, if Jesus could submit himself, mm. who, and this is why Philippians 2 is the foundation for Paul's call for us to, to behave in this way, to live in a way where, where we're not conceited, biting and devouring one another, but we're taking on the very mindset of Christ, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped, something to be used to his own advantage, but instead humbled himself, taking on the form of a servant. And, and as, he, as he becomes man, as God puts on flesh in, in the person of Jesus Christ, he, he is submitting himself, the Son, who is God, is submitting to the Father, who is God. Submission and authority built into even the, the triune person of God. That's a little much for my mind to take in, yeah. but to recognize that it, it, whether I get it or not, that's reality. If Jesus was willing to submit, to die a death that he didn't deserve, to save me from the death that I do deserve, then how can I cling to my rights and be unwilling to submit to someone else, specifically when God calls me to that? So the, the, the mutual attitude of submission within the church is first and foremost within the church. This is part of the unity that, that um, displays God's glory in his church when we uh, submit to one another in Christ. And when we submit to one another in Christ, then the, the various distinctive roles that he gives us uh, become pretty, um, uh, I guess I'm hesitant to say easy, but they sure become a lot easier for us to fulfill. And uh, I, I often use football as an example, um, so I won't stop now. But uh, on a football team, you've got 11 guys on, on the field each one of them with a different role to play. They're all equal, they're all players. Uh, and forget about professional leagues and contracts for just a moment, because that's a different situation. But they're all equally part of the team. They all have intrinsic value and worth, uh, but they don't do the same things. Right. You know, the, the blockers don't do the same thing as the ball carriers. The ball carriers and blockers don't do the same things as receivers. And, you know, quarterbacks have, have their own role in, even though they're all equal standing on the roster, the quarterback is the one who has the role of telling everybody else what to do right. in that. Um, you guys on, on Sunday morning with the band, I, I love the example of, of an orchestra, but just looking at you guys, I think is maybe even a better example. Um, None of you are paid. You're not. You're not a, a staff of, of uh, employees or anything, um, and so you're there voluntarily, and you're all equal. But you have a leader who coordinates, and, and everybody follows that lead. But you have all these different instruments and vocalists, each with a different take and a different gift that you bring to it, and you guys have to choose to listen to this person's idea, mm -hmm. be willing to have somebody shoot down your idea, right. to say, you know, I really wanna play this super crazy guitar riff right here, but it's really not the place for that. It's, you know, that's not what we're trying to do. And sometimes we do better at that than others. 
Absolutely. Sometimes and you're going to inevitably and, have conflict right. in that. Uh, but when we choose to move past that, right. it really wouldn't be much submission if there was no conflict. Right. There, the, for it to be submission, there has to be something that, I, that comes up against me that I have to submit to. Right. And so I think just the presence of the conflict is actually a benefit to us in learning how to give grace to one another, how to display the love of Christ to one another as we learn to forgive. If we don't forgive, then we're not learning it. Right. And if there's nothing to forgive, then we can't really learn to forgive. Right. So it all kind of, that, that mutual choice to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ it is huge. And, and, and kind of the, I guess to sum it all up, the the right relationship of authority and submission is essential to the Christian life because it it is God's design to reveal his own nature and relationship to his creation. Uh, it's the humility of mutual submission that undergirds the unity of the church. And it, it's that, that relationship of authority and submission that is a reflection of the reality of Christ in his people. We will stop there, but as we touched on over the next uh, few weeks, we will kind of dive deeper into each little section of this that's in Ephesians. This was just an overview. So if anyone has any questions or comments, as usual, feel free to uh, send us an email at somethingreal at reallifeonline.org. You can leave us a voicemail on the Anchor app or at 269-756-RLCC. I think I developed a list halfway through that state sentence. Um, what else? You can leave us a comment or a message on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter or... That's it. Uh, Anything else you can think of? Instagram. Our podcast doesn't have an Instagram, but our church does. Um, yeah. Got anything else? Yeah. If you, you know, if you've enjoyed the conversation and you like what we're doing here, then by all means, please give us a five star review. Uh, if you like, subscribe, uh, turn the notifications on. All of those things uh, work in the algorithms to get us in front of more people to be able to. Uh, to share God's word uh, that way with them. So if you appreciate this, we'd appreciate it if you'd help somebody else appreciate it. Thank you guys for listening, and we will catch you next week.